Okay. Okay, let's go. <clears throat> Welcome back to Probably About Politics this week. Q&A, where we uh, poll our listeners and answer your questions. We're kind of changing it around and we're almost the politicians this time. Yeah, it'll be a good exercise in public relations. Uh, yeah, our public relations have been through the roof lately with our Twitter, our email. Everybody's getting at us on there. Well, we're getting, what, one or two likes and retweets per tweet. But, yeah, but you know. it's coming along. <laughs> Send us an email. Our email is listed on our SoundCloud there, so you can email us. Follow us on Twitter, at ProbPolitics, and find us now on Google Play Music by yeah. searching Probably About Politics in the podcasts. And for, for some reason, when you search the title of our podcast, we only come up second. Like, how many Probably About Politics are there? There isn't. There's only the one. There isn't. There's the, the, the first result is a podcast called Probably Offensive, which I have not listened to. So I cannot say whether or not it is offensive and whether or not anybody should actually listen to it. Yeah, I don't think we're endorsing it, but uh, we are endorsing that we're like 25% more accessible. Okay, so to jump into our questions from, I think, our most dedicated listener going back all the way to Greece, right? Ancient (laughs) times. Yes. Uh, Emily. Truly, she's very supportive. Our, Our first question is... You have covered a lot of elections. Which has been your favorite and why? Or which has been the most challenging to cover and why? Kaylee? I feel like challenging is really, in some ways, a lot easier to answer because it's just like in terms of if you can get the research for it. So when we do countries, when we do countries like Transnistria and you're like, there's maybe like one news source and is it even an official news source? That's always a challenge. Yeah. So I'd say, or something like Benin. Yeah, like, I remember there were like three news articles. Yeah, that was not easy to cover, but it's like interesting. You you kind of want to know more. It's like they're yeah. playing hard to get. <laughs> I think to me the most challenging are the most interesting. Yeah, because they're so I don't know. It's like a treasure hunt, and once you find a good resource to read about it, then it's it's exciting to learn about yeah. this whole new area of the world that you don't hear much about in in just reading western newspapers or watching the news here yeah i feel like it it meets with like a lot of the things we wanted to sort of accomplish with the podcast in terms of like pointing out that there are other elections happening in the world uh but yeah it just it represents a challenge that kind of touches on some other questions that we're going to get to so we'll expand on those points later from some of our other listeners emily has a second question though as well all right. What do you hope to gain in covering these elections and doing this podcast? For me, the answer is sort of connected. Like, so even the ones I really enjoyed doing, like I really enjoyed us doing like the EU, which is something I knew a lot about and exploring like some more topical ones like Brexit and, and uh, South Korea and stuff. Like you get the chance to really like dive in and highlight facts about stuff that might be only cover be covered on the surface um, by traditional news media like the CBC um, and explain why these situations are complicated and and like that a country isn't just voting for somebody and with no motivation that there's a lot going on I think what I want to get out of this is first of all I want to provide people with a way to 
get like accessible information about these things mm-hmm. um, and also to learn about it myself because I'm not coming from a politics background at all. So what better way to learn <laughs> about something than to have to share your opinion about it yeah. and make it seem like you're informed. I think I can actually relate to that more now that I've I've moved out of a poli-sci degree, like I'm doing development studies, so it's not necessarily mandated that I read about this stuff as much. Yeah. And it really, yeah, makes me set aside some time to make sure I'm up to date. And which to listen to quickly? I would say uh, most helpful for what we generally talk about, probably democracy in the EU to like understand how most of the things we talk about are European countries. And to talk yeah. about how they interact with the EU, that could be useful. But also, if you're only going to listen to one, I would say Iran from last year. Yeah, I remember really enjoying doing Iran. It's like, and it's very complicated. Um, so that, that that's a great episode. Um, I also really liked what we did on South Korea, although now it the situation has changed a lot since we recorded that. Yeah, that's what um, I was thinking of that one as well, just due to how much what we said was going to happen and what seemed like it was going to happen has completely mm-hmm. changed there in the last uh, 12 months. Yeah, and I think another episode that's good for that is the Brexit summer special that we did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, so our advice, go back and listen to all of them because they're yeah. all great episodes <laughs> and all have something to offer in their own way. I think that answer changes a lot by month to month what's happening in those countries now and how those elections came forward and how they created this new bed for things to happen in. Yeah, and it's part of the reason why I'm excited that we're trying out this new update section on the podcasts that we do of elections. Okay, so moving ahead. Yeah. Chelsea has Mm -hmm. a question. What are the... This is sort of a question that we don't go into normally into legislation and actual things outside of just the political process Mm -hmm. but her question is what are the pros and cons of private sponsorship in the canadian refugee system yeah it it is a good question i think it's really if you're interested in this i'd recommend looking into it more closely because we'll just kind of provide a surface level answer to this um because it's as after like the syrian refugee influx it's a really developing question is like how does private sponsorship serve refugees it's sort of assumed like the canadian system is one of the most innovative and best in the world and that it is serving everyone well but uh i guess the answer would be that private sponsorship is kind of dependent on where you go and what group of people you end up with as like a refugee um it's like you have to get a certain amount of money raised in order to be a sponsor um but you're other than that like there's uh you're you're supposed to set up some refugee support systems but like your execution of that isn't really monitored if it's like a sponsorship group that doesn't a lot of the time sponsorship groups have like a connection like maybe they are uh, of the same religion or it's a family reunification connection or something like that but if you don't have that and you just don't click with your group very well, like you're not meeting each other's expectations, that can go quite poorly, leaving refugees just sort of on their own. Um, Yeah, so a lot of it has to do, I guess, with sort of once you meet up with your sponsor, you're a bit, it's a bit hard to to monitor, like set a, a particular standard for what will be achieved between the refugee and the the private sponsor in terms of getting them resettled and 
and ready, and it's very situation dependent, from what I can tell. <laughs> yeah, I mean, having never been refugees, we mm -hmm. obviously don't know necessarily whether or not it's good. But from mm -hmm. what, from the like very limited interaction that I've had with the system, mm -hmm. it seems like people who have been resettled have been quite happy. Yeah. The two, the, the only the two families that I know of, though, that I have like actually like had very minor interactions with, they seem happy, but it's, it's interesting that the pros and cons are that it is so situational dependent mm -hmm. when refugee resettlement is such an inhomogeneous process, because it seems like it should be like you want a one size fits all type of uh, approach to it. Mm -hmm. But when you try to actually apply that, each individual case is so different. And there's so many things that go into these choices when it's like people's entire lives where yeah. I think that could be a con, but also is the major, the major benefit of the system as well at the same time. Yeah, definitely. And I think, yeah, like in the, in the best case scenario, I think you, you create like both like strong community ties and that it's like a group of people of very, uh, various occupations. Like they're not coming together to help this person or this family. And then also ties between the person and the family. But again, like it, yeah, it just, you are talking about uh, two groups of people meeting and do they get along like that is important too is it like a good match um our expectations being managed and so i think like a lot of the time yeah it is a good situation but that there's no real net to catch necessarily to catch those where the situation doesn't work out the way it should hopefully yeah. that answers the question and of course it's a it's a complicated topic and there are also different strategies out there but in general pretty good yeah, no, de yeah, yeah, definitely research more if you want to know more. Okay, from another Emily, we're we're mm -hmm. big with the Emilys. I think we have a a new like demographic that we can go after here and just trying to diversify the name pool of yeah. people that ask us questions and listen to us. Create so, a, yeah, we know a lot of Emilys. Yeah. So her question is, what is your favorite political and or non-political podcast? I think for me, it is for po political podcasts, it's probably Pod Save the World, the Crooked Media podcast, mm -hmm. and non political Reply All. I'm surprisingly not great at listening to political podcasts. I don't listen to a lot of them, uh, but I would probably second Pod Save the World. I do say, I do listen to that on occasion. And for non political podcasts, I really like Criminal. Uh, apparently, I enjoy a good stories about criminal justice system primarily in the u.s <laughs> okay steve has a question and he's mm -hmm. also very interested in sweaters yeah and f because of that large cash injection that we're going to be getting from steve we are willing <laughs> and we're look at we're just like bowing to the market right now and yeah. the corruption just runs deep here probably about politics but we're going to say the word uh and steve's question is what do you both think about Trump's willingness to meet Mueller to discuss Russia in the election? Is it consistent with his strategy or is he being arrogant? Why won't he do it under oath? Yeah, so this feels weird. We're uncharted territory. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> American politics. Um, yeah, I, I think that it's hard to say if it's consistent with his strategy or if he's just being arrogant because like, sometimes that's pretty simultaneous. Yeah, when uh, your strategy is arrogance... Yeah. <laughs> on the surface, that's what it looks like. Yeah. But 
I think one of the major, major mistakes that we and in general the media has made is underestimating what he does and the way that he does it. Not necessarily mm-hmm. through his choices, but maybe those around him. Yeah, I think, yeah, knowing when to, how to estimate him is is important and often, I think, uh, missed. Like, people do it incorrectly. Yeah, there's probably a strategy to it that I, I don't know deep enough about the situation but uh i would say that it's probably consistent with him maybe trying to get ahead of it uh so if you meet with him under oath now when he's first asking rather than refusing 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 you get some control maybe yeah and i guess it's a long i could see his strategy though in in being to refuse due to his just like aloofness with the whole thing so far and how he just keeps saying oh it's so ridiculous they're just trying to pin this on me and all this so i could see kind of that like twitter strategy that he has you Mm -hmm. would seem to think that he would not want to go talk to him but i think this is sort of uh him being forced into the real world of the american political system and the justice system and the ramifications that may come from his original strategies yeah i think also he had threatened to or i think actually tried to fire Mueller, which is uh was really not well looked upon as a a thing so this in some ways might be trying to say like hey no i wouldn't try and fire him i'm cooperating that sort of thing yeah i would never try to fire anybody (laughs) that i disagreed (laughs) with right yeah Yeah, now he's just trying to become that guy and trying to change everything that seems like that has happened Mm -hmm. uh and i guess the second part of the question why won't he do it under oath yeah i think that's not necessarily that inconsistent with the behavior of a president there's a lot of reasons why a president probably wouldn't do most things under oath like if a question comes up that he just can't answer it you know but maybe maybe it is i i don't know enough about whether or not presidents should take oaths but it just seems like there's a lot of things that in theory he knows to do with national security etc um that he probably can't talk about and he might not want to have to do that under oath okay so hopefully that answered uh, steve's question mm-hmm. moving on to dave he he has two questions which are sort of sort of intertwined and sort of not uh what does it mean to Canadians, uh, everything that we talk about. He enjoyed our recent podcast on the Czech election and Australia's postal survey. Mm-hmm. Um, but what do these things mean for average Canadians going to work every day and trying to pay the bills? Yeah, I think it is a really good question for, and something that I think we should definitely think about maybe when we're recording the podcast, maybe. But uh, I think it, it, if you're talking about just international relations it can certainly be abstract how it is connected um but like i think you you wanted to say something about uh like the impact of trade like we have a fairly significant trade relationship with the czech republic as well as with the eu which the czech republic is part of yeah i think when we talk about some of his second part of the question is that we focused on the developed world mostly european countries new zealand germany all that and how that kind of ties together, it's we try to focus on countries that one, there are there is media available for that we can get access to. Mm-hmm. And also things that have impacts on Canada and just broader impacts on the world are sort of more interesting topics to talk about. 
but yeah. also undercovered things are also interesting to talk about mm-hmm. so trying to relate I, th- I don't think we can talk we can tackle both of these aspects of the podcast going forward at the same time so trying to talk about po- politics in the developing world and also how that impacts canada on a large especially in the paying the bills type category of how does it actually impact me broader than oh i have money invested in international markets yeah is that going forward i think in a increasingly globalized world i think we have to look past our international borders Mm -hmm. and start to look at sort of these are citizens of of a global whole that kind of are being a lot of these smaller emerging democracies are very interesting because they are being brought forward into like a new realm of freedom that they can now express mm-hmm. which is yeah i mean which is interesting yeah. and exciting and i mean not not to say that that's always the case like there are definitely <laughs> developing countries which like they are happy and have freedom and can do things like that's not what what i'm trying to say but i think there's a couple things that like if you look at just who makes up canada there's a the wide diversity of of people coming from these countries so that are sort of undercovered in terms of like you know it has to be like a tragedy that has occurred before we are paying attention and even then we might not be paying attention i think additionally yeah. it like yeah just focusing on democracies on of the globe global democracies on a whole it's a good way for the average uh, uh bill paying canadian the more i think you understand how democracies work um and don't work and the different iterations, the easier it is to understand like what's going on in, in Canada and when it's doing things that are good and are bad. Yeah. I think that, yeah, in pre- our previous season, I think we did a bit of a better job of covering some developed world, developing world countries. Like we definitely have focused this season a little more on uh, developed, but. Uh, yeah. There have, yeah. I think it's also, it's kind of a combination of, whether or not there is there are new sources available and also mm-hmm. just timing of elections and when they fall and when we're going to record a podcast. Yeah, that's so there big. are there are sort of our wants don't always align with what with the resources that we have mm-hmm. available to us. Um, but I think going forward that is that is something that I always try to look for when we're trying to choose a podcast and there's a few around the same time. We'll mm-hmm. definitely we definitely dig into do some cursory searches look into what's available on each country and then go from there and generally try to go with the more uh from our standpoint obscure uh elections or (laughs) election processes as well if there's an interesting political process there uh, that's something that we try to cover as well yeah like the australian postal survey it was really very interesting to cover and to see the way that a democracy i think we think is very similar to our ours uh, functions and it wasn't functioning in fact pretty differently yeah that, those are some good questions from dave yeah. and our final que- i guess our second last our final official question uh <laughs> from micah mm-hmm. do the olympics still have political meaning now the awarding of the olympics to different countries is definitely very political mm-hmm. and there's a lot of money that flows around inside the ioc but i think up until like a month ago i would have said not really but i think this olympics especially with the russian anti-doping scandal and as well as more importantly the korean uh women's hockey team Mm -hmm. all of a sudden there's a there's quite the political uh tinge 
to these games? Yeah, I mean, I think that like every time I get away from the Olympics, I sort of forget the political meaning. But if you think of it, so South Korea for sure is political with their, you know, they're teaming up with North Korea to put their teams forward. And that's a pretty hot button issue at the moment. But if you look back, Russia was certain when Russia hosted the Olympics, that was certainly political. Um, There was talk of not going in certain instances because of LGBT issues. Um, And then I think Brazil was also pretty political in terms of the amount of money that they had to put into hosting the Olympics and the people that it it sort of displaced or impacted negatively within Brazil. So I think, yeah, every time I get away from it, kind of forget. But once you get closer, you sort of start to see like there's always some sort of issue. Yeah, I think having a hundred i think what how many countries actually send athletes somewhere between 150 and there's like 200 countries so somewhere in there when you get that many countries coming into the same city Mm -hmm. uh, representatives from those countries coming to the same city with the billion dollars that are in play here i think it's Mm -hmm. impossible to not have some sort of politics involved Uh, whether or not the actual games themselves have political meaning like i see some people talk about how oh we don't have the the olympics will take the place of like wars with countries mm-hmm. like one-upping each other i don't buy that <laughs> but <laughs> um i do think that there are a lot of politics involved with the creation of the games and how countries choose to interact with them there are definitely some political choices at home that go into that I think, yeah, there's a lot of soft power things going on. I think if you think about how your how Canada itself markets like to its citizens during the Olympics, like there's, you know, the there's always that like one or two. There's sometimes like a story about like a couple that are one couple's American and one couple's Canadian, but the relationship is is great and they're supporting each other. There's certainly, I think, yeah. a political undertone to that. like something to consider and there's a lot of patriotism involved patriotism nationalism both inherently political um and if you think about like why do canadians still kind of like hate the russian hockey team like that's a pretty uh political dynamic i think uh dating to the cold war yeah i always find that interesting how throughout the year or throughout like the four years between games like thinking of other countries you're like yeah they're just a country that's cool but then there's this like there's this weird feeling that you get during the olympics all of a sudden where (laughs) there's like these old rivalries that are brought up and yeah i'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing to kind of bring that up every once in a while (laughs) uh but it's definitely yeah i would definitely say that the olympics have different layers of political meaning and depends on what you mean by political meaning yeah i think the south korean north korean is sort of like an obvious thing and then you get into just sort of yeah how do you engage with the olympics and you can find definitely there's probably politics yeah it's probably about politics most things and our final question uh from kate an unofficial question her question was what is your happiest memory Uh, (laughs) and we're gonna take that to mean what is your happiest podcast memory sure and mine would probably be interacting with people outside of the podcast not that talking to you is not great kaylee (laughs) but when especially when people it comes up for for some reason like when i'm wearing one of our wonderful soft sweaters that will be Mm -hmm. available soon uh (laughs) and they'll say 
or, or they'll find out that I have a podcast and they're like, but you have a podcast and they'll think it's about science or something. And then once I'll explain that it's about uh, national politics and that I've had <laughs> it for going on three years now with over 20 episodes, or I guess this is our 20th episode. Yeah. Um, it's all, it's always fun to see their reaction and then have like a weird conversation that we never would have had about. And then normally about some recent episode, mm-hmm. uh, I'll get to talk about, you know, the politics of uh, Benin with somebody <laughs> who has never heard that Benin is a country before. Yeah, I, my answer would probably be pretty similar. I like, I think my happiest thing is the way that it's sort of transitioned from being something like that you and I like met every couple weeks and just did and didn't talk about it to being something that like, yeah, now I'm kind of comfortable talking to people about it. At first I was a little hesitant, but then really enjoy uh, talking to people about what we're going to talk about and and why they should listen and uh, what they think of it. Like a lot of the time the feedback is really great and just the way it's sort of developed into a, a thing that I, I, from a thing that I didn't necessarily think of as being like a serious thing I was doing to being something where I'm like, oh yeah, no, I have a podcast and I've had one for like two years, two or three years now. Yeah. <laughs> it's sort of a, I like how it's sort of a catalyst outside of, outside of us talking now through computers to mm-hmm. each other to like the real world ramifications of uh you know podcast fame you can't you can't walk down the street anymore without somebody recognizing your voice god it's getting to be a bit much i don't know and i guess everybody had the question about sweaters yes whether or not they'll be subtle whether or not you can wear them when people will ask you they'll see it and they'll say oh wow that's my favorite podcast i've heard <laughs> probably about politics kaylee's my favorite commentator uh, Alex is not sure what he's talking about most of the time, but she always has insightful things. But I and think then... he has a great beard. <laughs> yeah, but nobody knows that because our podcast photo, I don't have a beard. And That's... it doesn't come through with my microphone well. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I think that also a lot of our listeners uh, know us personally. So they In know. In real life. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the designs will be up hopefully by, let's say, next weekend. Yeah, we'll, I think that seems reasonable. We'll get them up by the start of February. We'll tweet them out. We're mm-hmm. going to have a, probably a couple designs. Maybe we'll have a little bit of a poll to choose from. They're going to be crew neck sweaters, comfy, soft, uh, just in time Very to soft. get you through that February uh, into March weather. You can wear them without a jacket going into March and April, depending on where you live. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to be awesome. We're looking at a, a text type of logo so far. It's going to say probably about politics with another bit of visual spice going on. Yeah. We're going to help you with the advertising by just spelling it out for you. Exactly. (laughs) Spelling it out. No typos. Going to be excellent. Somewhere between, depending on the price from the supplier, $15 or $20, somewhere in there. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then also shipping, depending on how often we see you in person. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. If we can get it to you personally, we will. We will. But yeah. uh, yeah. And may, we'll, we'll sign something while we're there. We'll sign the box <laughs> that it comes in. I'll have to start practicing that. My signature is awful. Just go with it. Just one oh. squiggle and you're done because you don't have time. You got to go record a <laughs> podcast. Okay. All right. Thanks for listening. We're going to be coming back with a, with a regular podcast focusing on another country in a couple of weeks. Check back on our Twitter. Email us. You don't even have to have anything to email us about. Just say, hey, I listen. 
You guys yeah. are good. It's really good for our self-esteem. That will just warm us, warm our frozen hearts here in Canada. Okay, thanks for listening. Bye-bye.